Welcome to Check the Program, a podcast by four sometimes arts journalists who saw a desperate need for arts coverage and decided to do something about it. I'm Melanie Trump Hoover. I'm John Thrillfall. I'm Sarah Petrescu. I'm Amanda Farrell Lowe. And today, what are we talking about today? We've got a whole whack of show reviews today. We're going to talk about Inconnu's Trad, the Penelope ad by CCPA, Dance Me and the Nutcracker by Dance Victoria, and VOS's Rent. And then we're going to talk about some holiday stuff coming up, I guess. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge that Victoria occupies the traditional territories of Lekwungen-speaking and Coast Salish peoples, including what is now known as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. As settler people, we have the privilege to live, work, and create on these lands, and much of the art we are discussing has also been created and performed here. Thanks, Sarah. Amanda, want to get us started with Trad? Yeah, uh, Theatre Inconnu's Trad, the closing show of their uh, season. As you may have guessed from the title, an Irish play <laughs> by uh, Mark Doherty. Uh, it's tr- described as a modern Irish comedy. Uh, he is a modern Irish comedian. But uh, the play is actually about tradition and kind of steeped in this, I, I'd almost say like this kind of like stereotypical vision of what we see Ireland as. And uh, so it's about this character named Da, who is 130 years old who lives with his son, Thomas, who is 100 years old. And they live in this little Irish village and they have this real like back and forth. And uh, it's revealed that Thomas has this long lost son that he's never told his da about. And so they go on this journey to go find his now 70 year old son. (laughs) There's a lot of old dudes. (laughs) But, But the great thing about the show, none of the old dudes are played by old dudes. Nice. So uh, Gloria Snyder plays Daw and Deirdre Tipping plays Thomas. So it's these women who are in this crazy makeup and and made up to be old men, which I felt was, I feel like if the show hadn't been, if the two main characters hadn't been played by women, I think it would have been kind of boring. Mm -hmm. But I felt like the fact that you have these women playing these old, cantankerous, ancient men (laughs) just made it way, way more interesting. I should also say that David Conway uh, is another performer who's in the show. He plays two characters who aren't on stage for very long, but... Uh, they both kind of they they are very uh, magnetic when they when they come on stage, and they're quite excellent. Uh, Wendy Merck uh, is the director, and she also did the design concept for it. And um, it's a really beautiful little set. It's like this. It looks like a painting, uh, and you know you've got like a little graveyard and a door, like a church door, and a couple other little pieces on the set. It's not, as you know, the Inconu space in Fernwood, mm-hmm. not a very big space, but they cram it in with this really vibrant, beautifully painted set. Um, and uh, it was it was quite lovely. I really mm-hmm. liked the set. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's kind of a funny show because it's pretty long. It's like almost two hours. And these two old men, they don't really go very far <laughs> or do very much. And they're just kind of like, especially Daw, he's kind of this rambly character who's really set and 
tradition and his son Thomas, not so much. And Gloria and Deirdre, the two performers, were really excellent at embodying these like old man characters. And I have to give a shout out to uh, Deirdre's makeup and costume in particular as Thomas. I, I feel like the Daw character, like they had a beard put on her and stuff like a fake beard and a fake wig. Deirdre, it looked like they used most of her um, actual natural hair. And costumes, uh, Jay Donaldson, uh, uh, shout out to that. They were great. Like, so they had, like you could actually see at some points in the show, powder and floof coming out of her hair. <laughs> like I went to a matinee performance on Saturday and I couldn't like, she probably has to keep her hair like that, like for the whole <laughs> run, like I, like having a shower, like, right, sure, and she, yeah, they yeah. actually like attached little bits of wispy beard on her face. Yeah. And anyway, it was great. You know, I feel like if you have any connection to like Irish heritage and Irish culture, you'll really enjoy the show. It's a bit, it's kind of long, but it's like, it was, I liked it. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I have an Irish background myself. So, and it's entertaining. They just, the two main characters just kind of riff off each other. And like, obviously they've known each other for a hundred years mm-hmm. and like, it's anyway, it was, it was good. I really quite, quite liked it. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was like the most amazing thing I've seen in Kanu do, but uh, it was, it was good. And you know, at the time of year where you hear you see a lot of like holiday theme shows, it was kind mm-hmm. of a nice break from that. Yeah, and, and cool uh, here they played around with um, set design and costume. At least what I'm used to seeing it in Kanye is pretty stripped down because of what totally, you said about space yeah, and, yeah. Like it's often yeah. like a black box show where mm-hmm. there'll be like a couple of little set pieces and props. This one was definitely more uh, elaborate and really full and beautiful and vibrant, and uh, that was. It was really lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's good buzz about it. I've heard quite a few people say that. I would recommend it for sure. It, yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it. And I, I, like I said before, I feel like the fact that they have two women playing these two ancient old men in this culture that's kind of known for being like really kind of rigid and traditional, mm-hmm. I felt like brought a really interesting element to the whole show that, uh, yeah, made it a bit more dynamic than I think it would have been if it had just been two old dudes doing it. <laughs> Nice. So that's Trad, and it runs running until December 15th. Penelope Ad, you were also pleasantly. Yeah, you know, I love the Penelope Ad. It's already over. It was a very quick run. It was only like a four day run. The CCPA Um, shows off in our shows. Yeah, they're really quick. Explain who the Company C So Company C is like the graduate students of uh, CCPA, the Canadian College of Performing Arts. Uh, and they're the students who choose to come back and do one more year. And I've always been a fan of Company C Productions because they are just on the edge of professional. And uh, the quality of their shows are always fantastic. And this one was no exception. Uh, Penelope Ad, if people don't know it, is written by Margaret Atwood. And it's sort of a feminist retelling of the Odyssey. So it's what happens when Odysseus goes off to the Trojan War and Penelope, his wife, is left behind. So you see everything from her perspective. You you know everything from her birth to um, this arranged marriage, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to them getting like basically a week together, and then he's gone off to the Trojan War for ten years, and then ten further years of just traveling around, and she's left at home trying to keep uh, the island of Ithaca and the kingdom there together, mm-hmm. and then her coterie of. Um, young maids slash slaves that work with her and how she uses them to keep
keep things in line. But it's all told through that feminist lens, and the you know because it's Atwood, the script is funny and it's mm-hmm. biting and it's just insightful and it's just fantastic. But the production, I didn't realize going in, but it was directed by Ron Jenkins, who's a director mm, I've yeah, always Black enjoyed. Rider. Black Rider, one of my favorite shows it's ever. It's funny that we Victoria. still talk about that. How long ago was the Black Rider? Like 10, 12 oh, years, oh, I'd say maybe more. more than that. I think it was like two thousand five. Yeah. Wow. Like, Anyways, yeah. great show, great director. And, you know, I always harp on about directors and shows and how a show could use tighter direction. If anybody ever wants to learn how to do directing, <laughs> go to a Ron Jenkins show. Because this show could have been really straightforward, but it was anything but. It was athletic, it was dynamic, it was constantly moving, it was very physical. Um, I'll give credit to the movement director as well, Laura Kruski. Uh, things like they would recreate a boat where a woman would lean forward and somebody would grab her hands and she would become the prow of a ship and they'd bundle up a drape behind them and it suddenly that drape would become a sail and everybody moving like they're rowing. It was just amazing what they did. There's one particular scene um, where Penelope was simply just walking down a path, but it was done with a series of short sitting benches where they were slid in and out across the stage, almost like game pieces, and they were walking oh, on so top cool. of the benches. And it was such a simple scene, but it was so wonderfully done. I was totally engaged the whole time. Mm. Great cast, ensemble cast, every 14 people in this cast, everybody mm. was very good. Projections, sound design, very contemporary sound design, um, great projections, very simple. Uh, and it just cracked along. It was just under two hours, and never was there a wasted moment in this show. Mm. So it's unfortunate that it's over, but it was really great. So I'll pitch in the future. Uh, CCPA's got a couple more shows coming up. They're doing Stage Door. Uh, they're doing Middletown. And uh, in the spring, they're doing West Side Story. And I'm sure their West Side Story will be fantastic mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love the Penelope. I was very impressed by it. What is the reason for such the short runs? Yeah. I think all because that effort in. it's a very compressed acting school. Okay. right? So they've got a very short season and a very limited space. right? They mm-hmm. use their little church hall down in Oak Bay. Uh, so they only have it available for a very short period of time. It's a compressed season, and I think because it's an acting school, they get people in and out, and they do as many as they can. So. Yeah, I've always lamented that about CCPA, is yeah. that uh, it's like blink and you miss it with yeah. their shows. Yeah, yeah, which is too bad. Yeah, because yeah. it sounds like the quality is very top-notch. Yeah. So don't miss the next one. <laughs> What's next? Speaking of top-notch... Um, I saw two very, very, very different shows at Dance Victoria, their first two of the season, um, starting with Dance Me uh, from Le Belle Jazz de Montréal, um, set to the music of Leonard Cohen, um, with three uh, international choreographers behind it, and yet it didn't feel like three different visions at all. Um, that was brought in uh, in mid-November, and it was incredible. It was a, a very sexual, sensual show. Uh, the woman behind me was gently moaning through most of <laughs> what? it. Yeah, it was a, it was a, an unintentional relaxed performance. <laughs> I think for a lot of the women there, and it started uh, like right actually from the first bar. She was she was there for it. Um, but there was uh, yeah, in, just incredibly uh, complex. Um, very very physical choreography um, and and some high points uh, Boogie Street was this basically this pansexual orgy on stage but was um, uh, just so dynamic people coming in and out and and uh, the stage lighting up to kind of highlight different um, pieces and pair work and in, in the middle of an ensemble 
Um, they made space for some of his poetry, having you know bare stage or just one person um, in kind of simple contemporary movement for A Thousand Kisses Deep, for example, and then made such cool use of projection work and videography to pay homage to all sorts of pieces from his career. That's interesting because yeah. I know that that's kind of been like the technology at the dance Victoria shows yes. or dance shows in general can sometimes be like the thing that hit and miss. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And this one was a real hit, very playful at times, cool. you know, with some of his kind of jazzier, more upbeat stuff. They had, you know, lips moving on stage and people with red lights in their mouths and whatnot. And mm-hmm. then they got, you know, very uh, emotional for mm-hmm. some of his kind of love song. Um, Salon Marianne mm. was done actually just as a solo by one of the dancers on mm. stage. It was beautiful. Uh, so it was, an, an, as I said, super horny show. Um, <laughs> yeah, unintentionally, perhaps, but it was it, it was sold out before it even started. Mm-hmm. And the standing ovation like started before the last you know last bar of the show. So, um, as usual, Dance mm-hmm. Victoria always brings in the very best. Um, Leonard actually approved of this. Um, piece in the choreography from uh, Andonis Faniadakis, Annabelle Lopez Ochoa, who actually was at um, Dance Victoria in the spring as part of another kind of three choreographer piece. Um, and her work is always amazing. And Isan Rustin were the three choreographers. Um, and that, that actually Leonard, before he passed, had actually seen, seen the show and given um, the company his green light, that he loved it, mm. that it was true to his work. So that's a good sign. Um, that was beautiful, and then I I took my eight year old niece to the Nutcracker this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so polar opposites. Polar opposites, mm. incredibly, you know, class as classical as ballet comes in terms of its choreography. The production value, though, I know that uh, the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, I think, they've brought this particular uh, production of it several times um, over there. They seem to hit Victoria and Vancouver a lot with it. It's got a real Canadiana twist. Um, coming from Winnipeg, there's polar bears, there's Mounties, there's a little hockey game. <laughs> but it's true very much to the um, to Tchaikovsky's intention with, with the work. And the costumes and props and set design is just impeccable. Mm. Like the, the production value and quality is, is right there. Um, and it keeps it stimulating. It's geared towards kids age five plus. Uh, so, well, sorry, appropriate for kids age five plus. There is a huge range of people at the matinee, but um, with a lot of kids there, it was also a relaxed performance for sure. <laughs> also, take note, Royal Theatre, offering only candy at intermission. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. Every kid is hungry after an hour of watching yeah. dance, and I made the mistake as a non-mom of not knowing that if you give a kid a candy bar at intermission, they're going to have a real hard time with the second half. <laughs> um, especially if the second half has very tight leotard. My niece uh, noticed butt cracks and then had a lot to say about that <laughs> through the second half. But she enjoyed it uh, at eight. I loved it. Um, usually, actually, classical belly is not really... It's certainly not what I go up for usually, but I had never seen... Um, seen the Nutcracker before and, and know it's kind of, you know, very, very much um, kind of a uh, stalwart of the season and uh, and wanted to challenge myself with what I usually go for dance with a real classical piece. And it was beautiful. The orchestra was also um, pitch perfect with, mm. with the whole piece. That's cool that you brought your niece to. Yeah, awesome. it's, it reminds me that it's so important to have options to introduce kids to arts mm-hmm. and those mm-hmm. annual ones, even though we may think 
okay, this happens every year. Like, yeah. there's a reason that they're so popular, and they mm-hmm. sort of build that love of theater and really build in an appreciation for I, it. I can so. attest to that because my kids are now teenagers, and they've been going to theater literally since they were born, and now it has just become second nature to them. Like, mm-hmm. they won't even hesitate. That Like, they're going to fringe shows this summer on their own, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. with us. Yeah, you got to build it in, Absolutely. you know? When yeah. they're going to their Absolutely. first movies, they should be going to their first plays. Yep. Music, yeah. music, like everything, just, you know, yeah. and they've, they both of them have volunteered with local companies as well. Uh, so they've, you know, got a strong arts footing. So I'd always encourage everybody mm-hmm. to start young when mm-hmm. it comes to the arts mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Take your niece yeah. to the Nutcracker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. But bring snacks that are not Kit Kat bars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring your banana bread as for the last oatmeal cookies. Speaking of uh, institutions, yeah, yeah, are you ready for rent? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sarah, you want to kick this one off? Sure. Because yeah. you've seen the original cast I, on it's true. Broadway. True, I saw the original cast of Rent in 1996. Um, on Broadway, slept overnight in line with my buddies, and we got the rush tickets. And it was amazing. It mm. was a mind-blowing show. It was interesting at that time. It really did reflect New York, that New York you see in the movies where there are still homeless people in Manhattan. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, coming off the time of the AIDS-HIV crisis, um, as rents were skyrocketing. Um, and I really, when I going to this show, I was a little bit worried. I thought, is it going to be too musical theatery is it mm-hmm. going to be watered down and and i think musically they did a great job mm-hmm. victoria operatic society had a great cast and uh they're very loose it wasn't i think their voices really worked well they had some great singers and uh you know it could have been a little rougher i always think of adam pascal the original roger in um in rent and he was like a rock and roll singer. And you could hear it. Like his, I went back and listened to the original cast, and his voice sounded like cigarettes and coffee. Mm-hmm. Like he just mm-hmm. had that, you know, sort of nasally, I'm hungover, I just woke up, and I'm belting out this awesome song like I'm <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. So um, it's really hard to recreate that, but I think they Especially did. on a community level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, I went to the show on the second weekend, so I mm-hmm. think you guys were there opening night. And so I'm not sure if it was different. A few people, I think, were starting to lose their voices a bit, which mm. may be, you know, this, the season of colds or the demand mm. of, of the performance. It's a lot of belting and giving her, basically. Mm-hmm. But I was so happy to see the crowd. Like, uh, for one, you could buy a ticket for 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. We were in the ex- very last row of the nosebleeds. Actually, I had like a bit of a neck ache from looking <laughs> down. <laughs> but it was packed, and it was packed with young people and, mm-hmm. you know, gender fluid kids and you know mixed couples and everyone just it really brought home how those kind of shows that represent young people that represent that energy they just you don't see yourself on on stage that often especially in such a mainstream broadway style show which has always been the power of rent totally and Mm -hmm. it still persists and a lot of the themes in it are Parallel to today, like the housing crisis, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rent, yep. you know, the overdose crisis yep. parallels the AIDS HIV crisis. Yeah, I, always, I, often, I often thought that that if they just kind of tweaked it a bit to totally to have like kind of interchange the AIDS HIV crisis with the current overdose crisis, yeah. it would make for a really 
mm-hmm. interesting um, take on rent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I took my 15-year-old. It was the it was his first rent, so same thing exactly what we're talking about. Uh, 15-year-old trans teenager, and uh, he was in tears. At, you know, at the end of it, he loved Angel, of course, mm-hmm. as did we all. Dan Como was fantastic as Angel. And uh, I, I think Dan Como was in a different show than most of the rest of the cast because mm-hmm. he was just having such a great time and he was really selling it and he was giving me everything that I wanted from that character, which most of the rest of the cast, I wouldn't say, necessarily did for me. Um, I did like Liam McDonald, who's Mark Cohen. I thought he was really strong. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed him in Urinetown uh, mm-hmm. last year as well. Uh, and I liked his performance. Um, but uh, I was hoping for honestly I was hoping for a bit more you're talking about the gender fluidity of the audience I saw that in the chorus and Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the chorus a lot Mm -hmm. and maybe they didn't have the strongest voices maybe they didn't have the strong voices to necessarily take the leads but I would have loved to have seen some of those people in the leads instead of the people who were Mm -hmm. in the leads um, just to give the show a little bit more vibrancy a little more uh, currency shall we say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and I would argue that at least one, um, Sasha Moriarty-Shivan, totally had a voice mm. to be the lead. In fact, I would have argued probably had the voice to be Mimi. Mm. Um, uh, Alyssa Brace was lovely as Mimi in a lot of ways, but just didn't have the power, the vocal range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Sasha did, but didn't have the luck. She didn't fill out like high-waisted teal jeggings in the same way. Mm-hmm. Which she has a great voice. She had an amazing voice. And so, yeah. she, you know, she I don't even know if she had an opportunity yeah. for it. She so. could have been... I mean, the thing with Mimi is you just have to be a wild woman. Yeah. yeah. Like in... I kind of think even Rosario Dawson in the big mm-hmm. movie yeah. Yeah. actually was probably not appropriately cast. Like Daphne mm-hmm. Zuniga, who did the original mm-hmm. one, was just a wild lady. Mm-hmm. Like she just had that chutzpah and yeah. that sort of... Yeah, yeah, and th- and that's the one thing I would have liked to have seen from the show is a little bit more edge. Mm-hmm. Like I would have liked to have seen you're talking about Roger. I would have liked to have seen that character be a little, you know, not clean shaven, not have a mm-hmm. perfect haircut, exactly. not be wearing a sweater that zipped up and looked like he was gonna be your dentist as opposed <laughs> yeah. to a junkie rock star. That's you know, yeah, like, didn't have that old haggard rock star thing going nobody on. Nobody had bags for under sure. their eyes. Everybody was clean shaven. <laughs> everybody looked good. The Benny, the character Benny, is supposed to be the real estate developer. He's supposed to be the rich person on stage, and he looked dressed down <laughs> compared to Mark and Roger on all the rest of them. And it's yeah. like, where's the edge to this production? I thought mm-hmm. Sarah Newton as Maureen was yes. great. Yes, I she was her. a yeah standout performer yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, Maureen and Joanne were both very good. Yeah, they she, they both had that looseness mm-hmm. that you kind of need. The funny one thing I noticed, I don't know if you guys did, is that the 90s fashion is back in style again. Which is kind of weird. So it's actually current. The costume design, sometimes scene for scene, was the movie, though. Well, I read that in a couple of the previews about the show. Like, yes. in yeah. the, like they intentionally did that. I think because... You know, it's the was the first big rent production in town. Mm-hmm. Like I think that they were yep. wanting to make sure that they mm-hmm. appealed to the real yeah. rent. But Mark, like I swear, heads, yeah. walked out of the movie screen and a few times was like, yeah. I, "That sweater." It's, yeah. Let's just talk about that for a second. Yes, I agree because <laughs> that was the movie sweater. Did well, they actually buy a recreation of that sweater? Was it the yeah. sweater? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I did enjoy the fact that they were using the original Broadway score and book. That was great. Yeah. Um, but you're talking about the movie. There were scenes where the direction was lifted, almost shot mm-hmm. for shot, almost move for move, straight out of the movie, and that would really bug me. Um, I didn't find the direction of the show very exciting at all. Uh, There's a lot of times when the rest of the cast were just sort of standing around, and people would stand and sing, and then they'd move. You know, you can move and sing, and I know it's a community production. 
But I, you know, if there's anywhere it felt like it fell down for me, it was in the direction. Yeah, and the show's mm-hmm. about energy. Yes. Like it has to be yes. full energy. Crack a lack. But again, yeah. Angel brought it. Angel. Angel brought all that energy. Absolutely. And Angel was fantastic. And so on that, though, I don't know if this improved over the, um, over the course of the run, but opening night curtain call, the uh, lead cast, the eight um, uh, leads did not take separate no, they didn't. They all came out together. So Angel too. did not get his due. <laughs> I wouldn't say Angel was yes. the standout the night I saw it. Hmm. Oh, interesting. And I think that, and I've heard other nights, maybe some people's voices were going a little bit. Mm. So I don't know if there's a flute. I like mm. that you went on different points in the yeah. run. Like, I, I yeah. think that that, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, you know, given that it's a community production, it was a tough thing to mount because mm-hmm. there's a lot of expectations around it. Mm-hmm. It's not like mounting The King and I or mm-hmm. Oklahoma or something right. like that that's so many years past that people are just like, okay, let's just see what they do. Mm-hmm. It's different. So I, I have high expectations for Shrek in the spring. I think mm-hmm. that'll be much more in keeping with VOS uh, and what their audiences are looking for mm-hmm. as well. And it's also a great show that hasn't been done locally yet either. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I'd like to see more edgier shows in town. Mm-hmm. I would too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Rent is barely edgy. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I mean, there's a lot of edgy shows in town. Do you mean just on a on, stage like from, that? Yeah, musical yeah. theater. Yeah. Yeah, like fully staged um, yeah. You want to see a Book of Mormon? A local Book of Mormon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have loved, honestly, if they had done this for one of the matinees, had a sing a lot and perform. Oh, that is so, such a good I idea. It was so hard totally to sit there I and not melt it out with Bohemian. I was silently mouthing the lyrics as opposed to singing. Totally. Um, but I know other people had gone and they had the people sitting around them who were singing along. And it's like, that's nice that you love the show that much, but yeah. we're not paying to hear you sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a dedicated um, sing a lot episode. Yep. yep. And, you know, again, for, just to underscore for, the diversity of the audience. Uh, opening night around me, uh, people were in tears, and I also had some people who left at intermission and they never came back. Mm. So, you yeah. know, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I'm glad I mean, they did it. Yeah, do you feel like the diversity of Victoria was reflected on the stage? Because I get really tired of that whole Victoria is so white, that's why our casting is that way. Well, mm-hmm. director De Crockett, he did say that they could only cast who auditioned, and, you know, he was very upfront that. Uh, it sounded like they didn't get the diversity of the cast that they were hoping for in the audition process. So you did, yes, every lead was white. Mm-hmm. You know, the diversity in the cast came in the chorus. It was not in the main characters, yeah. which was very mm-hmm. disappointing. You kind of got a plan for that. And I guess, you know, I don't know what you can do. Reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it sounds like they did do some outreach, but I think it goes beyond just outreach you've got to like look at how your organization organization is structured mm-hmm. are you making those outreach opportunities welcoming for people mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. um so yeah i think this is a i mean we had a kind of an offline discussion about this a bit uh talking about rent and um i think maybe this is something that we're going to try to explore in the podcast in the future like how do mm-hmm. we structure um and create theater in victoria that makes it open and accessible because I know there's you know from both like the bigger and community theater organizations mm-hmm. uh, to the these like really cool little uh, smaller 
just starting out spaces that are like just creating that space for themselves mm-hmm. and like doing a really great job of it. You so. know, it's it's an ongoing uh, issue, the idea of colorblind and genderblind casting. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes in the city it works and people don't even think twice about it. The Drowsy Chaperone that was just at UVic, uh, they had a very colorblind cast there, which I thought was great. And mm-hmm. that was probably reflective of their student body. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You're just talking about trad, you know, that's genderblind casting. Yeah. And that, right. The fact mm-hmm. that they had a couple of women in that role. It can be the ties of a show too. When you look at just musical theater in general, what are the high schools that offer musical theater programs? Where mm-hmm. the who are the kids who are have access to that training? Mm-hmm. Or you know, it's it's diversity, it's privilege. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's very true. It yeah. goes it goes beyond like it goes there's beyond. it's not one organization. Yeah, issue. totally. And I that's why I don't want to crap on BOS oh, because no, no, I no, think no, no, they. No. The Penelope ad was an incredibly white cast. Mm-hmm. Like there's mm-hmm. one you or two people. You see it in a lot of shows. Over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's a it's a lot of things go into that. Yeah, you got to sure. look before that casting call, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the structural things in the way of yeah. Mm-hmm. of yeah. yeah? Well, that's why we're never going to see a local production of Dreamgirls. We're never going to see you know a local production mm-hmm. of Hamilton done like they're doing it on Broadway. Like we mm-hmm. just we don't we don't have that uh, talent pool yet to draw on. Or if we do, it's going to be a sort of an edgy, you know, edge of your seat kind of production, which would be great to see. Yeah, and so. you know, I know that there's organizations in Victoria doing work, so we can get yeah. there, right? It's just yeah, going yeah. to take mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. What's coming up? Yeah. Uh, Griffin and Sabine is opening at the Belfry, a very anticipated show. I'll be very curious to see how they do this. Have you mm-hmm. read the Yeah. Yeah, oh the sure. Letters. Came out Actually, I had a dream about it last night. <laughs> the letters. I was, oh, I was, yeah, anxiety in my dream about how are they going to do that. Mm-hmm. I've heard that from, I haven't, I'm not familiar with it at all, but I was at a party with a friend on Saturday. And she was wondering that too, because like, she's like, for me, that was such a big part of, the experience well, is the that thing, yeah. interaction with the Opening letter, the book, taking out the yeah. letter, or having that physical tangible and how do, how do you recreate that on stage? I'm expecting a lot of projections and a, you know a revolve probably and a lot of set pieces mm-hmm. as well. Um, there's only a couple of letter based uh, plays that have been incredibly successful. Uh, Love Letters, obviously, 84 Charing Cross Road is another one. Uh, Letters from Wingfield Farm, even. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, 84 Charing Cross is sort of the one that set the bar for a relationship through correspondence. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's one of my favorite shows. So I'll be curious to see how this one goes. I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic for it. And it's a world premiere, right? It It is is a world premiere. The first kick at the can. Yeah. Very cool, and that so, opens at so the Belfry. So that's open at the Belfry this week, opens on uh, Thursday, and goes until December 23rd. This Friday, uh, for one night only, Intrepid Theatre's having Homo, their queer cabaret. Oh, yes. um, they always have one right around this time of year, and then uh, another one in the spring. And it's always um, a really diverse, uh, kind of campy cabaret of queer and boundary-pushing artists who are testing out new work. Um, Peach Kabla and um, Isolde and Baran are coming over from Vancouver to host it. Uh, always lots of fun, and there's some great drag performers, Vivian Vanderpuss and Eddie Licious and Ezra Lavender, um, as well as opera performances, and Rose Cotton's got something new for it, so it should be a really good time. It's at 8 o'clock. And tickets are 25 bucks. There's still a few left, I think. I was going to say, I'm surprised it's not sold out yet. That one usually yeah. sells out. 
Um, the Paper Streets Waiting for Christmas right. starts yes. on the 5th. Mm-hmm. Improvise Sam Beckett. <laughs> so kind of an absurdist Christmas yeah. show. Yeah. So yeah. it should be. Are they going to have create, uh, like Santa hats instead Who of knows? Rollers? They always do something interesting with how they present it yeah. and stage yeah. it. and uh, So that runs until, I guess, the 8th. So yeah. just uh, At the club, right? Yes, I believe theater club. so, yeah. And I just saw um, that Monroe's is hosting uh, Essie Adujan. Yes. Mm-hmm. On Friday at noon, who is the winner of everything? Yes. Um, <laughs> author of Washington I'm like Black. Three chapters Athlete away from Blues. finishing Washington. Yeah. Black. So. Mike Delamont is oh, back that's with right. um, the a Christmas special. Yeah. Because yeah. Scott is this kind of straight queen. Has that sold out yet for the Farquhar? So. I don't think so. That's on Saturday. Tickets. Yeah. Park. And. Um, the uh, one man Stranger Things, one man Star Wars, and they've just announced that he's also with Rod Peter Jr. Charlie Ross. Is yes, four twenty one is yes. On the I next saw night. that. So, so if you want to have a double bill, a triple bill, really, that's December thirteenth and fourteenth. And that was a fringe show this year, right? They it toured was. the four twenty one. It just didn't play here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, Bluebridge sings. Bluebridge is doing their Christmas show. Uh, the cast, of which sounds really great, mm-hmm. uh, Elliot Loran from uh, Ride the Cyclone, Sarah mm-hmm. Carly, uh, Tara Britt, I believe. Um, December 69th for that one. And um, also on Quadra Street, uh, <laughs> Atomic Vaudeville's staging their, their Christmas panto. I think that they've done a Christmas panto for a few years now in a church. This is the first yeah, time that Roxy. Live animals. Yes. <laughs> and this one's The Further Adventures of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer hmm. and Howie Siegel is in it, I believe. Really? Oh, wow. Special yeah. guest star. Special guest well, star. Well, did they do more straight up like. Just well, they did the Christmas pageant, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but with like a llama or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. like yeah. I, this yeah. sounds like it's, it's a bit different. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a departure for yeah. sure. Hence the reason it's not in a church. Yeah. Eat, pray, glow. <laughs> the further adventures of Rudolph. Eat, pray, glow. That's great. I'm I'm excited to see. Yeah. So it's running for like two, almost two weeks. Yeah, right. at so the Roxy. Eve, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Oh, at the Roxy. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And, and then, then they go um, right into their uh, New Year's cabaret, too. Oh, right? yes, that's yeah. right. And then right around the end of the month as well, Launchpad is doing Radio Mistletoe and My Man Godfrey, December 29th to the 30th. And uh, My Man Godfrey is an old 1930s William Powell movie that I've always loved. And uh, it'll be interesting to see there. Again, they always do good stuff. So. Yeah, and I guess we've got a bit of music coming up, too. The, the John and the Roy. John and Roy Holiday Special. Ten Which, years. I can't believe it's been ten years for this. Great lineup for it, though. Hannah Georges, um, Hey Ocean. Um, John and Roy. John, uh, that's why I hope John and Roy. Loving, a band that I am not familiar right. with. You had said there was somebody from Blitz and, Blitz and yeah, Trapper? Yeah, Eric Early of Blitz and Trapper. Um, a, acoustic trio of Currentswell. Oh, oh. Uh, so, yeah, it's always, it's always like a very... Mm-hmm. Uh, Warms the cockles. Yeah, this yeah, show. yeah. It's a yeah. What yeah. venue yeah. were they at? The, oh, it's at the Mac. Sorry, the okay. address in here it says Royal and Mac, but it's at the Mac. It's at the Mac. Yeah. Okay. So that's great. I think we'll probably play some music from that for the show. Nice. So that's happening on Thursday and Friday, or no, Friday, Saturday. Friday, Saturday. Yeah. yeah, the seventh and eighth. So this weekend. So it's always a, always a nice, a nice yeah. time. We'll be back uh, before the holidays one more time. Before the holidays, we're gonna we'll talk about Griffin and Sabine. And, uh, yeah, we've got a couple of other things cooking away, too. So we'll see what the next episode is. We're going to be doing some brainstorming, podcasty brainstorming. So yeah. any ideas or feedback, 
get in touch with us. Yeah, and email, check the program, yyj at gmail.com, Facebook and Twitter, check the program. Please let us know what you think. We've gotten some really nice feedback over the last little while, both in person and online from mm-hmm. folks, so we appreciate you getting in touch. Uh, and please, yeah, we're going to kind of do some brainstorming for the new year and just try and kick things up a notch. So, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. I mean, I can't believe it's been... What, like nine months? Yeah, do you remember what, what episode number this is now? I think it's like 13 or 13, 14. 14? Holy smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening and tune in next time. Uh, I'm Amanda Farrellow. I'm Melanie Trump Hoover. I'm Sarah Petrescu. I'm John Throffel. And uh, always remember to check, check the, the program. program. I'm heading for the other side. The light is always right. But we don't have all Hey, the flags and the loving overrides Oh, told this time never come I want it in high I'm going for a better life And I'm ready for tonight And to black water in the Head down like holes It's the black hole's news of guns.